You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll send out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. I'm Lisa Cherney. I'm your host. I am so excited to bring you another amazing guest with amazing story. In fact, I feel like she's kind of like six guests in one. When you hear about all the trauma adventures, just what life has thrown at her, you will know what I mean. So that brings me to our thought-provoking question that we like to kick things off with. And here it is. Are you running from something? And when I say that, I mean, do you have a calling that you are ignoring, an aspect of your talents or gifts or purpose that you are not acknowledging, not pursuing? Well, at the end of our interview, Natalie J says, no more running. And I will tell you that Miss Natalie J Clayton is a master of faith, and you will hear why. Within the period of one year, less than one year, her son was in a horrific car accident. She got divorced and battled cancer. That was just in in between 2011 and 2012. She also spent 20 years in public service in law enforcement. And the things that she saw, the stories she heard, the side of our humanity that many of us don't really aren't really present to in the everyday that was her everyday and she worked in law enforcement for over 20 years she was a law enforcement professor she was special agent she did investigations crime prevention trauma assessment and even went undercover in fact she has an alter ego called a cinnamon that she will let us <laughs> she'll tell us about she has lived y'all she has lived and it that's you'll you'll hear what really I, I just said to her, you're a master, you're a master of faith. Like she shares how she heard about her son's accident and was initially taken aback when she saw him, but pretty quickly just knew he was going to be okay, even though he wound up having 38 surgeries over 10 months. And the doctors said that he wouldn't walk again. She heard those things, saw those things, and had solid rock solid faith. I just find that so oh my gosh, so inspiring, so admirable. Like as you all know, I went through 
a similar journey with my mom who had a car accident and six months in the hospital. And I definitely, my faith was really shaken at times. So I think you will have your faith renewed. You will, through her, just live living vicariously through her faith. You will ah, see what's possible. And you'll see also what really brought her to where she is now, which is the number one best-selling author of the book, Awaken the Leader Within. 15 Steps to Shine Your Light. She's a certified personal development coach with the International Coach Federation. She is a speaker and founder of Tilt Synergy, a coaching and consulting group. Her whole passion is around helping people to move out of struggle and into a life of freedom and expansion through day-to-day mindfulness. Mindfulness about their thoughts, being aware of what she calls belief blockers, and one word, helping them overcome. Because if there is any other expert around about overcoming, I don't know any others <laughs> more certified than Miss Natalie J. Clayton. I just loved having this reconnection conversation. She was a client of mine about five years ago. At the time, she was really focusing on her trauma assessment and her helping women not to be a victim of sexual assault, which was just brilliant, brilliant work. And now she has really rolled that, you know, all together into her new company, Tilt Synergy. And she is offering complimentary coaching calls to our listeners, which is really freaking generous. And she will help you find your inner strength and power, discover your belief blockers and overcome. I cannot wait for you to be with her and and just like bask in, in the glow of her faith as I did and be inspired. So without further ado, Miss Natalie J. Clayton. Natalie J. Clayton, welcome to the GFR show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy to have you here. <laughs> It's been five years since we have like seen each other. Actually, we saw each other at eWomen and I can't remember, like, I feel like that was sooner than five years ago when, when you were a client, I know that we saw each other in Orange County at the eWomen network, but it's been, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. (laughs) And, and a lot of life lived right in this time period. Like, I feel like sometimes when you haven't seen someone since before the pandemic, it just feels like a decade went by. There's just so much life lived experiences had, you know, we both lost our, our moms, you know, since we've seen each other and that is a huge experience. So huge. um, Yes. I'm glad to be with you and I cannot wait to share your story with stories (laughs) with, with everyone. (laughs) Girl, you have lived a life. I have a lot of stories. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, and when we worked together, when you were a client, you were really owning at the time one aspect of your expertise, which was around like sexual harassment and assault and you know, prevention and education and all of that. And where you are now is such a testimony to really owning your full spectrum of experience. And so I would love to take people sort of on the journey of, of all of the badges and, and life degrees <laughs> that you have earned, starting with you were a police officer. Yeah, I which, was. 
I say that like, obviously I'm not surprised because I knew that, but I'm looking at you gorgeous black woman in your white suit with your amazing hair and and who you are is just a beautiful soul and I'm like you were like undercover police officer and you did that thing and I would love for you and and you were it's all parts of you right which you know as I got to know you more I knew I just got to see all the different aspects of you as wife and mother and police officer and activist and all of it and all of that Maybe back up a little bit before you, you know, entered the police academy and made that decision, kind of like, tell us where you were in your life and, you know, what was going on and led to that first career decision. Wow, man, that's over 30 years ago. Uh, (laughs) This is your life. (laughs) This is my life. I had recently got divorced from my kids, their, their dad, you know, I have three kids and they're all adults, thank God. And I love my kids dearly. Graduated from college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Initially, I wanted to be an accountant. And then I took courses in accounting and I was like, oh, no, this is very boring (laughs) (laughs) because I love people. But I was working for the department. I was working for the city of San Diego and I just I wanted to do something where I was what I would impact the the community that I lived in in San Diego. And I had the sergeant who prompted me and he says, you should be a police officer. And now I was the girl who used to be afraid of guns because my dad was in the Navy and my dad had a 38 special that I thought at the time was this big, but I realized it was like a little toy gun. (laughs) And I was afraid of guns. I mean, I was afraid of guns and I was very shy. So it was so, you know, unusual for me to go that route, but just Working for the department, I started out as a dispatcher and I was in my early 20s. I think I was 20, maybe 21, 22. And so I got a chance to get a feel of people, you know, and and listening to all the different crises and drama and dysfunctions of people. And so I, after I graduated from college, I got my, my bachelor's degree in public administration and I decided why not? You know, I was divorced and I was ready to do my own thing. And then when I was married, at the, my husband at the time was like, oh, I don't want you to be a police officer. And so I'm like, what? You know, so that was a, like a little thorn in my side that always stuck, stuck with me. And anyway, I took the test and I graduated after my divorce was final. And then I took the leap. And so it was probably the best decision I made in my life because I was able to really be a part of working in the community and seeing things I had never imagined seeing in my life of just with people. And, but what I learned was that police work is not what you saw on, I think I think they had a show called Cops mm-hmm. and it was like maybe five minutes of what police work was. Basically police work is being a problem solver. You know, you're a mediator, you may be a doctor one day, you may be, you may have to save someone's life. You may have to take a life. So it was a role where you were there to protect and serve. And so that's what I was so honored to serve in that capacity until I retired. And it was great. And it taught me how to find my own inner strength within myself. Although I always knew I had this strength and this superpower, but it really opened up the door for me. And I loved it. And all the challenges I didn't, you know, like working in the middle of the night, but then again, it it was great. And did a lot of undercover work. And from there, I transitioned to the Department of Justice. I was a special agent and dealt with issues with that and with the state of California, having to sue them for discrimination and 
harassment, wow. sexual harassment, and I won. And wow, yeah, that was that was a wow. <laughs> yeah, a wow. And, and that you did something about it, right? That oh yeah, I was always that person to stand up. Always, you that's know, I was a always huge... a fighter. And in, especially in that culture, I'm sure it's even more risky, I guess, or could feel risky in that culture to call people out that are supposed to be your colleagues or your, you know, superiors or is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I pick and choose my battles and sometimes it caused you, me to be ostracized, but that was okay. I still stood up for myself, but yeah. So then I was with the department of justice. And then of course my last position was parole. And so I worked for Department of Correction and Rehabilitation, which I really loved because I got a chance to look at, I would, I would always question why, what made people do, choose the behaviors that they choose, that they chose in life, because we also were born at this little bitty precious baby, right? And then you develop into a kid and an adult. And then we, you know, some people make the decisions to go left and some people make a decision to go right. And so as a parole agent, I was able to look at people's you know entire portfolio in their lives and not that I was giving a person a get out of jail card but but having a complete understanding of oh well now I understand why you your journey you went this way because of what your environment was and so very fascinating for me and and then I got diagnosed with cancer and so that door was shut down for me and the rest is history right today <laughs> and I'll talk about that a little bit more but yeah but it was it was I would never tr- change that journey I really love being a police officer I had the desire to be a captain I wanted to be a woman in charge you know I just felt that that was something that's needed and we're still needed today but my struggles going through the police academy was you know I was I was recently divorced so I was juggling I had three kids three kids yeah they were <laughs> I think my daughter at the time, she was, I think she was 12, maybe when I went into the police academy, 11 or 12. And so, you know, I would do my training or to come home and be a mom. It was nonstop for me. So I had this huge S on my chest. So I was a super woman, super mom, super woman and balancing, you know, my career developing as a police officer and then as a mom and as a mom and then, you know, some that balancing act of my career and then being a mom and and then a a single mom at that time. And yeah, so it was. And then the role of, you know, being undercover, you're also playing a role. Yeah. One of those roles was cinnamon. Oh yes. Cinnamon. Who's cinnamon? (laughs) Cinnamon. (laughs) Tell the people who cinnamon is. (laughs) Cinnamon is who I am. You know, I think cinnamon is my alter ego. Mm. And it was something that just happened. I was working undercover was myself and probably four other officers. And we were doing an undercover assignment and we had to create a name for ourselves because we were creating, this is back in man the nineties. And so we were creating this website that was, well, I don't know if we call it now. It, it was a dumb, a dumb website. I don't know what they call it now, but it was, a, it, 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 it was, you know, you click on it and say, Hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And it would go out straight to the police department. I can't think what it's called now, but yeah. So we all had to come up with a name and I thought I'm cinnamon. <laughs> so the name just <laughs> stuck with me. And so that's what I did. And so undercover work is, you know, it's acting. It's just, you're, you're, 
you're playing a role like anything else. And it was very, very interesting because you learn about people, you learn about yourself, you learn how to adapt. And my role was not to be detected as a police officer, but just to fit in, you know, whether I was buying dope or as a, you know, a prostitute, a swinger, you know, everything that you can imagine was what I, what I did and as undercover work. So that was intriguing. It was, it was, it was exciting. Yes. And, kind um, of a vacation from your single mom with three kids life <laughs> going to be cinnamon. <laughs> it was, you know, <laughs> then I'd come home like, okay, let me be mom. So yeah, yeah it was, it was. Cancer ended your police career, your law enforcement career. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive stage three cancer. And at that time, and I was, you know, really, I was at a place in my life where I wanted to do something different because police work is good. And there's always the positive and the negative side of police work or anything, really. And yeah, so it struck me. I mean, it just like pulled the carpet underneath me and I had to just pause, completely pause. And, and of course this happened after my son had an accident. So my son had his accident and then he was in the hospital for 10 months. It was a very traumatic accident. We didn't know where he was going to live or die for man. Every day was touch wow. and go. And so that happened. And then my, I, I was married a second time. My marriage fell apart. And then, then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so it was like, okay. That is a, one heck of a trifecta. It was, it was. And, but I just believed the moment I got the call about my son, I just believed that my son is going to live despite the negative things that were said, like, oh, okay, you have five minutes to get to the hospital because your, your brother is not going to make it. This is what was told to my daughter when we discovered Namar was hit by this bus and dragged 300 feet. Oh, yeah. Oh. And you got that call and you knew instantly he was going to be okay. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I got the call. I was not in Southern California at the time. I was in Northern California and got the call for my daughter. And I just, you know, paused. And then I just said, wow, he's going to make it. I believe he's going to make it. And so I just started speaking to my son spiritually and telepathically that, you know, you're going to make it and you're strong and you're just going to make it. I started praying. I just, just, I just believe, I believe completely opposite of what was told to me. Yeah. So that happened. And then so I did that <laughs> and that happened. So that happened. And so I was at the house my son, 10 months later and 38 surgeries at that time. Yeah. Oh my yeah, that God. happened. And so then that happened. And so I was all, I was away from my, my job for 10 months. They were so gracious you know, to allow me to be with my son. So that was a blessing because I felt, I knew in my spirit that I need to be there with my son, you know, and that I'm, I was that bridge. Yeah. It was, I was like that vessel of praying over my son and truly believing that he was going to be healed despite of what we saw, because he was mangled up and twisted and man, he was, he was pretty bad. And it's, it's, uh, it's, I just want to pause to to really underscore how phenomenal that is, that you had that faith that a mother, like a mother whose son is 
in that state to not go into fear, to not believe what the doctors are saying, to not spiral, to, and I relate somewhat in that my part of my mom's final like year of life was a car catastrophic car accident mm-hmm. on top of cancer and getting that call. And, you know, her, she was in the hospital for six months and multiple surgeries. And so I just, you know, I always say on this show that I really value experience far more than education for credentials. And I just feel like that's an amazing accomplishment to have that, to have faith in that. And you, the way that you're, we're saying it, 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 you might sound like you might for have forgotten how amazing that is. So I just wanted to remind you, (laughs) thank you. um, It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, you know, it was it was extraordinary. And even now, I I think, I mean, we all go through things in life, even like the past three years and COVID and all the negative things we were seeing. And I had to be reminded of my faith and my walk and what was in me and disbelief and not and and channeling whatever negative thoughts came to my mind and what things, you know, we were seeing globally that that I wasn't going to be a part of that and so but yeah it was man I tell you it was it's a choice that you make a choice to believe and it, I mean when I saw my son I just was speechless and then I just said okay let me just let me focus on what's to come and so what I believed to come was that he was going to be healed had no idea what my son's I still get emotional and choked up you know, thinking about it now, because yeah. I had no idea what damage was to his body. It wasn't until after the fact. And then even then I was like, oh, okay. Let me just pause for a minute. Where did faith come from? Where, where does that faith come from? Man, that's a good question. Well, well, all my life, my parents were believers. We were raised to believe in God and we were raised, you know, Christian but interesting enough, my father and my mother, they created and created an environment for us to choose. Mm-hmm. But we knew about God. We believe we knew about Jesus. We knew everything, but we, they created an environment for us to choose. And so I was baptized when I was, I think I was 16. I was baptized. And so you chose, I chose. Yeah. But, but it's a journey. And so I kept learning about God. And, and as I reflect my faith, God was preparing me all alone for this day to come with my son. Yes. And so just, you know, reading the word of God, believing, and then choosing and really understanding the power of the the Holy Spirit that's within us. And I'm, I'm speaking of my walk and my journey, and I call it our light. You know, we have our light within us and, but it's a choice. And so I just, I've always been one to, I mean, I could think back when I was a little girl, I was, I think I was about eight years old and I ran track and I was bullied because, you know, I was, I don't know why people decided to bully me, you know, that's what kids do. And my track coach, Mr. Williams, I'll never forget him. He, it was like an A, a and B team. And so I was on the B team for the relay. And so he put me, he brought me up to the A team. Well, the girls on that team just, they didn't like it. They didn't like me. They harassed me. They talked about, oh, Natalie, slow, slow. But within my soul, 
I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm fast. You know what? (laughs) You know, I didn't have to say anything. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to show you. So I've always had that in me. And sure enough, we won and we took first place. And, you know, I, I just, so it's always been in me that no matter what I encounter in my life, I was going to climb out of it and above it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and I'm wowing, even though I got to be with you on a journey as your mentor for a while. And I still like, it's a fresh wow. (laughs) It's a fresh wow. Like to feel like you, you've always had that. I love that. I wrote down, I'm going to show you like for an eight-year-old to just know that, you know, and you started your journey to be a mom early in life. And it felt feels like that was right for you, you know, and then choosing a career. I feel like you're on a fast track. <laughs> and I you need to be on a fast track with all these intense experiences. Like, let's just give her all boom, 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 boom. I mean, right. How, what was the time span of son's accident, divorce of your from your second marriage and cancer? What was the, the what was the span? Was it a couple of years or no, a year? It was a year. That's um, see, the Mars accident was 2011, March of 2011. And my marriage ended March 20, March, no, February of 2012. And then I was diagnosed in May of 2012. So Holy like, boom, shit. boom, boom. <laughs> right. And you know what? So when I was diagnosed, I was like, what the, what the, what fuck? the fuck? I was like, what? <laughs> And then, you know what? I remember calling my mother and my I was like, mom, I said, you know, they're saying it's malignant. And I remember my mom and I both cried for 30 mm-hmm. minutes on the phone. And I just, I grieved and I cried and I'm like, okay, boom, boom, boom. Okay, mom, I'm going to come to the house later on. I got off the phone with her, went in, did my EKG. And I'm like, it's on, it's on. Cause I'm going to survive and I'm going to win. And that's what I did. And I I went in and I'm like, I'm going to beat this, you know? And I, I, it was like me and God, you know, it was me and God. And for the longest, I didn't say the word cancer. I said C word because I didn't want to give it power. Yeah. And I just said, okay, I, I went through the C word, but now it's like, no, I went through cancer, me and God, God was before me. He is before me. He's within me. We together, he, God is my friend. He's my partner. And we went through that. God healed me of that. And I just believe I was healed. It's like, I believe my son was healed. And so we, I went through it, you know, chemo, everything. I, I went through a holistic practitioner, all that, you know, even though my hands were black, the palm of my hands were black from the chemo, my feet were black. I still made the decision that I'm going to survive this. I'm going to heal from this. I'm healed. I had believed I was healed. I was just going through the process. So that was my mindset. I'm just, mm. I'm healed. I'm going through the process. And so that's powerful. Um, yeah. Wow. And your son is a thriving yeah, he's no. thriving. He's walking. They said what my they said that <laughs> they said he would never walk again. I remember asking the doctors and they said, Oh yeah, maybe, maybe he'll use the walk and he'll slide his feet. And I'm looking like, I don't believe that, you know. And so I think my when my son was in the hospital, because he went to three different hospitals. The first was Cedar Cyanide Hospital. But God it was in, I mean, he was just in the midst of everything. So 
at Cedar Sinai, the doctor's like, okay, we're going to send you your son to, he needs to be a burn patient because he had complete avulsion of his lower extremities, you know, being dragged. And so we wind up going to UC Irvine and the staff was amazing. Again, I was in a fog and, but I just kept believing that no matter what I'm going to, he's going to survive. So then from there, we went you, to- You would ask the doctors for like, oh, is he going to walk? Is he going to whatever? They would say whatever they were going to say. And your answer was, no, I don't. No, like- I'm like, no, he's going to survive. And so, and then in his last, he was in San Diego because, you know, we're from San Diego. And so one of the doctors, every day he would say negative stuff like, oh my God, your son, he's so- you know, he's, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. So bad. And I'm looking at him like, okay. And I remember just saying to him here, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was probably like thinking like, who's this little short bitch? Who yeah. does she thinks she I is? Kicked, I kicked two <laughs> different doctors out of my mom's right? room and off her team for I, similar yeah, stuff. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just, you know what I told, I said, his name is Dr. Tenenhouse. And I said, Dr. Tenenhouse, look, let me <laughs> tell you, I said, and I, I remember having my Bible because that's all, you know, that's all I knew, right? At that mm-hmm. moment. And I was like, there's a, there's a, uh, the book of Hebrews is like faith and work. I said, I tell you what, I said, God has given you the work, do the work. And we're standing in faith. I'm standing on God's word. You do your work. And he looked at me like, <laughs> who's this little bitch? And I said, do the work. I said, my son will be healed. And so sure enough, that following week, he came to me and he says, wow, your, his tissues are turning pink. Mm-hmm. And he goes, faith and work. I'm like, that's right. Just do the damn work. Mm-hmm. Don't come. I mean, it was like, don't come to me with this negative stuff. You know, I'm like, no, believer. I'm not, not going to believe that. I'm like, and then he would just say all the, it was like, all this, he would say good things and it would be negative. I'm like, no, I'm going to move you out of here. No. Yeah. And the endurance, like 10 months, like, again, I really fucking know what that means. Yeah. Um, Cause I did six months of it and it was my mom, not my kid and whatever. But I, I, I feel like I have some semblance of reference point yeah, and you endurance understand. that's required. And yeah. I'm sure you were there probably almost every day. And that I endurance. Was, yeah. I, I had a little cot. <laughs> I yeah. had a little cot and I had a bed and my back was messed up, <laughs> but you know yeah. what? I just, that was where I was supposed to be. And then of course, my husband at the time was like, oh, you need to come home and be a wife. And so I was like, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So you done. (laughs) I could, that's some things you just cannot recover from. You can forgive, but you just can't recover. So yeah. So that's, here I am. (laughs) Ah, All right. Natalie J. So amazing. I'm still like processing and like, you just see my paper. It's like accident, divorce, cancer. Like it's (laughs) That's right. Cancer and surviving. And then, oh, and then my calling, you know, the calling part. And so, um, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's move to the calling part. Right. So, (laughs) so you've been through your master class of deciding and having faith and creating the reality that you believe to be true masterclass over and yes. over, including everything you saw in, in your law enforcement work yeah. and, and everything. And so when I met you, it's kind of interesting. You know, when I met you, you, you know, you were single, you, your kids were grown, like you were obviously less encumbered, you know, when I met you and you were on this, you know, quest of, what is my new work? What is my new calling? 
and it's and it's transformed from when I met you, which is awesome to see. And so talk to us about the entrepreneur part of your of your journey, how that went. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when I retired, I said I wanted to sell real estate and teach criminal justice. And I did that and I couldn't stand it. I did not like selling real estate. I love teaching because I am a teacher. Uh, but I didn't like I didn't like what I was teaching. I was teaching, you know, criminal justice and I was but I was teaching it from perspective of the reality about let's get fucking real about mm-hmm. police work and, and engage them in the community. Of course, you can see all the things that are happening now. And I was speaking about that as, you know, people yeah, before it was before um, it was. Yeah, before out. it was out. <laughs> it was out. But then, yeah, it was out. But then it was covered. And now it's out. And so, so a friend of mine asked if I would speak at her church on faith, because she says, Natalie, I'm teaching my parishioners (laughs) on faith. And can you come and speak to my, on a Sunday morning? And I'm like, okay. And so I, 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 it was myself and my two sons. And at that time, Namar was still in a wheelchair, but he was walking and I was just diagnosed. I think I had just had my surgery for cancer. I had colon cancer and they removed a foot of my colon. Wow. She just said, I need you to just come and speak. And I'm like, okay. And so I came and I spoke at her church. And, but when I was speaking, she was like, you know, you don't, you, when you come out, when you come out of what you have gone through, you come out golden and you're golden. And, you know, you have the gift of healing either by speaking or laying up your hands. I'm like, oh no, not me. I'm like, no, you know? And so, and then there was a a deacon in the church and he was like, you know, when you were speaking and giving your testimony, the Lord told me to tell you that you need to write a book to help others. And I'm thinking like, okay. And he said, but you need to do a video. And so he was just telling me all of this stuff, you know, prophesied all these things I need to do. And I'm, and I was looking like, okay. And then I ran. I mean, I ran, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not, I'm not a saint. You know, I still had some shit to do. I still had some some stuff to do in my life, you know, and I ran and I'm, I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I don't know what that means. And And what does running with the running, what did running look like? Running looked like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to get with corporate America. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, okay. I did law enforcement. That's that part of my life is over, but I'm, I'm going to go in human resources because I, you know, I like people. And so, because I had a disability, I had a, my, my cancer was presumptive when you're a police officer, because you're exposed to so much toxin and carcinogens. And so I was, cause I was investigating meth labs. And so I was like, oh no, I'm going to go and I'm going to be an HR director. I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to work for corporate America and every door closed for me, every door. I went back to school for human resources and I just was like, oh, okay, I'm here. Do I, I <laughs> this is not what I want to do. And I just, I don't, and then of course, when I met you, I'm like, uh, I'm a cop. I'm going to teach people how to be safe. I'm going to teach women how not to be victims of sexual assault. I'm going to teach women and children. I'm going to talk about how not to become a victim of sexual harassment, which is still part of who I am. And I have that because I've got some skin in the game. I've you know gone through my own battles and, and won and, 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 and sued the state of California and won. 
but I just, I wasn't falling into what I was created and designed to do. I kept running and, you know, my dad died and then my mother got ill because they were together forever. They were soulmates and then she passed away. But I really, once my father died, I started really paying attention to my gifts, my gift of, of discernment, my gift of, of clairvoyance, my gift of just kind of knowing things happening before they happen. Like, for example, like my son's accident, I knew my son was going to have this accident before it happened. Hmm. And it was always something in my mind about a bus with my son, but I couldn't connect the dots at that time. So anyway, I just started becoming aware. What's the connection do you think between the passing of your dad and you owning your gifts? I, my father was a healer. My father was a psychologist, but he was also a healer and he was an alchemist. He was just that, you know, that person. And I mean, from the time I was a little girl, he was just that, that person, you know, even my mother too. My mother had the gift of discernment. She had the gift of a prophecy. She did. And so, but it wasn't until when he passed away, then, then it's like, it's almost like an awareness. It's like the light bulb just shines on, on your gift and what you're called to do. And so anyway, so when I, when and it's I, like honoring him, I feel like there's a piece mm-hmm. in there that it's like honoring his life is to own that part of you. Exactly. And so, so after I did the talk at my friend's church, this was in 20. And you were told you were golden. Yeah, she was too, yeah, I was told I was golden and I ran, but there was something that I went to this in 2013 or 2014, I went to this conference. It's called Women Thou Art Loose. And I, I don't, it was dropped in my spirit. I need to go there. 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 And so I, I went and I, I told my cousin, her and her husband are, are ministers. And I said, I need to go to this conference. I don't know why, but it's just been in my, it's just dropping in my spirit to go. So I went now, mind you, let me tell you this, but okay. But so before that happened, I stopped talking about overcoming cancer. I just, I would share things and I thought that I was being boastful. And I remember sharing my journey of myself and my son and, you know, how God healed us. And this woman was like, well, you know, my relative, you know, had cancer and they didn't survive and blah, 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 blah. And we are believers. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm being boastful. So I shut down. Interesting. So, yeah, interesting. And so God, so I shut down and then everywhere I went, people were like, hi, my, hi, I have cancer. Hi, I have cancer. Hi, I have, I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. And so I met so many people that were going through cancer. And so I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to speak on this, then I will do so. And so I just started, I said, well, let me know the person that you want me to speak and how I can, you know, touch them and impact their lives, you know, with their diagnosis. So anyway, that started happening. Moving forward, I went to Atlanta and I waited until the 10th hour to go to this conference. I was way up in the nosebleed section, right? My cousin and I. And so the last day, there was a woman who was on stage and she was talking about, you know, she had cancer and it came back and, and she believed that she was healed. And, and it was Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he says, I want all cancer survivors hmm. to come down here. And wow. I'm like, 
wow. So this I run like in a down. stadium, like this, like a big. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big, you know, <laughs> it was an arena. So anyway, I run down and he goes, I want everybody to stretch out their hands and pray over, you know, this woman. And so we all prayed over her and he goes, okay. And then who was ever in front of you, pray over the person in front of you. And so I prayed over this person in front of me. He goes, okay, the next person that comes in front of you, lay your hands on this person. And so I laid my hands on this mm-hmm. woman. And then she turned around and she goes, as soon as you touched me, the heat left my body. And I'm like, oh, I got like full body jumps. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, wow. And I, I, I don't even remember her name. I just remember hugging her. And I was like, that's why I was supposed to be here at this time. And I was just numb. I mean, I was I'm not numb, but I was like, wow, this is so surreal. And so I went up and then again, I ran. I still, still <laughs> ran. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is not who I am. This when I met you, you were running, right? When I was I running. You, so that's running. Because like, I don't no. even remember, I don't even remember you talking about like gift of healing I, I, at I all. Because you, you know, I would like totally glom <laughs> onto that. <laughs> My mouth was, I, because I was trying to process this. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, I was not ready. Divine right I, time. I, right. And so I, that's my running. And I decided, I'm like, mm, I'm going to do everything else. I'm going to do everything. So, and then I met you, of course. And so. Did your, I'm going to just jump a little. Did your mom passing catapult you into, or have you stopped running? Yeah. You know, when COVID happened, I had to just be still and just. And she died right before COVID. So it was mom, like a, yeah, kind of a combination mom. of things, mm-hmm. right? Well, when my mother died. Okay. So. My dad, interesting enough, my dad came to me in a dream. I have a, I have a prophetic dreams. Okay. And so my dad came to me in a dream when I was grieving about him. And I was just, I mean, cause I was really close to my dad. I was a daddy's girl. And, and he came to me in a dream and he was like, you got shit to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was like, I mean, cause every day I used to sit on the edge of my staircase and I was just like, I would just holler to the top of my lungs in grief you know, mm. and then I would get up and I would go and help my mother. And so, but I did go to grief, you know, counseling and so forth and, and a support group. And one day my dad came to me in a dream and he was like, look, I'm good. And he was young and he was vibrant and brutal and his wonderful handsome self. And he was like, and he just looked at me, but I knew what he was saying to me. He was like, you have shit to do, get up. I'm good. I'm good. And so that was a sign. And then when my mother got sick, my dad, and then I would go to my mom and I would lay my hands on her and I would pray over her. And I'm like, oh, my mother's going to walk out of here. She kept improving. She was improving. She was bedridden for a year and a half. But now I know that she did that to prepare us. You know, she was such a, a giver. My mother was just a beautiful soul. She was a teacher and she, this is how beautiful she was. Her her nurses were her previous students. Wow. Yeah. And one of her nurses was like, I've been looking for your mom for, since I was nine, we were both the same age. She goes, I've been looking for your mom for, for, for 49 years. <gasps> I know that's your mom. I go, yeah, that's my, that's my, because your mom used to wear her hair up in a, I'm going to have really long hair. She goes, your mom used to wear her hair up in a, um, a bun. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, that's, and I've been looking for your mom. So it was oh such God. an honor to see my mother be taken care of by her mm. former two wow. former students. She was just an angel. So anyway, yeah, when my mother was, you know, I'm like, my mother's going to walk out of here. You know, th- when she got sick and she went into a cardiac arrest, 
she was just heartbroken. You know, my dad, they were together for 62 years and they kept saying, oh, she's not going to make it through the night. I'm like, yes, she is. You know, we, and I remember praying over her and she did. And she hung on there for, like I said, a year and a half. And then my father came to me in a dream. He's like, hey, she's coming home. And sure enough, a month later, she decided deteriorating and she, you know, she, 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 you know, passed on. And so it was all of that. And I knew the day that she was going to, she died on her 81st birthday. That's a, that's amazing, right? Like the, 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 <laughs> my mother, you can't make that up. You cannot, you cannot make it up. Come on people. Like you cannot make up. Oh, it's a coincidence. She died nope. on her birthday. Mm-mm. That's crazy. I, no, I knew that night. I remember I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh, my mother, she was born on this day. And this is the day she's going to return. I knew it. And I knew and I was there when she took her last breath, her and my dad. But yeah, it's just like you just have this knowing. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. You know, you but know it, it, so. I, I feel like as you woke up some when your dad died to your gifts, mm-hmm. your mom was like a completion in terms like, yeah, your mom was a completion. And like now it's time, like it's now it's time. You got yeah. shit to do, you know, yeah. as your dad said. <laughs> and it's yeah. not about you know, caring for our parents, there is a umbilical cord, literally, right? You know, literally right. and figuratively, an umbilical cord. And there is a completion, you know, that happens when they're not there anymore. And right. I feel yeah. like it you got you lighter and 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 more willing to just focus on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, like how much of your life were you not focused on you? You're, you know, so. So for this, for this like last piece, this last segment, I would love to hear how you are now, like really owning your gifts and what does that look like for your business? Wow. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring it home, girl. Let's bring bring it it home. Juicy, juicy. So I am, so I am a certified coach. I'm a certified executive coach, but I don't like to be put in that bubble of executive coach. I'm a personal development coach because I have the gift of to see things. I have a gift of, of, I'm a visionary so I can see things and see behind rocks and doors and, and you, and you're in your cave. And I, that's why I call it this metaphoric foxhole. Well, I'm that person that will jump into the foxhole with you and help you see things that you can't see and shift things. And so that's my gift. And I I'm working with particularly females but I do have males that are drawn to me as well. And I just, you know, they're trying to find their next. It's like, what's, what's your next? And they've gone through some things in their life. And so I use my, my gift that I have, you know, to help train people and elevate them outside of their foxhole. You know, it's like, we all have this, it's like, what are your belief blockers? You know, and, and it may be, you know, going through an illness and maybe, okay, I had a relationship that failed or, you know, I, I have someone who treated me horrific on my job or whatever it may be. And it, it limits you from moving forward in your life and finding your next. And I, I believe that we all have this gift. It's a, it's an, a gift from God. And some people are aware of it and it becomes an awareness such as myself and it's, but it's not about me. It's about me helping others. And I, when COVID happened and I was watching all of the craziness going on, I believe that COVID happened. I believe it was divine. I believe that 
it allowed everyone to just pause because we would have never paid attention to George Floyd being slaughtered like he was in the, in the street and just everything else. I mean, it unfolded so much dysfunctions in organizations, corporate Americas. I mean, you name it. But it's, it's, it was it was nothing that was not happening. It's just that people were, had the ability to pay attention to it and there was no running yes. and hiding. And so for me, I was like, wow, how can I, what can I do to shine the light on darkness? Because I look at it as, as darkness and we all have this light within us to penetrate darkness. And so I have a book that I wrote, which is Awaken the Leader Within, 15 Steps to Shine Your Light. It's a quick read book, but I wrote it so that people can lead themselves. So it's like, if you can't lead yourself, how can you lead others? And unfortunately, we have so many people that are in leadership that are not able to lead themselves because of whatever. And my role is to come in and just help you see your own light. And so that we can make this beautiful world that we live in a better place for people, you know, from all walks of life. And that is what, when it was told to me that I'm here to impact the lives of others, <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. And I'm walking in that yes. finally. And it's a constantly evolve, you know, uh, evolving and I'm learning to unlearn and just being in control of myself. I use the acronyms, bitch, boss, bitch. And some people are like, oh my God, but um, <laughs> <laughs> bitch is beauty. And Y'all, she just, she, she put her hand over her mouth. Like she was being all coy and it was really funny, <laughs> <laughs> but it stands for beauty. Well, take the negative and make it positive. Right. So bitch, beauty and total control of herself. Mm. So be in control of yourself, you know, don't act on your emotions, but mm-hmm. have an awareness of who you are, self-awareness, self-management, so that you can be, you can impact the lives of others. And so if I can help impact someone else's life, guess what? That's going to help impact someone else's life. It's like, it's a ball that we can create to make yes. this place a better yes. place for each and every one of us. Yeah. And I love how you acknowledge that it's every evolving and that you are continuing to unlearn. And I totally resonate with that. As you know, my newest sort of way that I work with people, I call unmentor because I feel like it is the phase that I'm in and the phase that the people are in that I really feel called to work with now are in that unlearning. It's like in the letting go of what is not serving, of of questioning all the beliefs and the things we're told we should do and how to do them and to really you know, chip away at all that to reveal, you know, what it is, what is at our core and where we are being called. So I love that you're, I love that you're a sister doing that work as well. I feel like there cannot be enough of us holding that space because there is so much shame and heaviness and guilt and all of that, that weighs down people that are golden, like you, you know, that are meant Uh, to be (laughs) serving. So- yeah. Interesting. I had to go to my own journey. And what I learned was that I was, I had to, you know, I had some skin in the game. I learned, I had to unpack some shit, you know, I had to, I mean, my, my cancer was colon cancer. And, and when I was going through my process, it was revealed to me why I got cancer. Cancer is, you know, and in your colon, it's a holding tank. And so I was holding on to some shit. 
not figuratively, but you know, there were some things I was holding on to and I thought, oh, I forgive this. I forgave literally and figuratively. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I had to really do some work on myself and forgive and let go Mm. and uh, evolving. And we're always constantly evolving and learning to unlearn unlearning, unlearn to learn. And it's just a complete evolution. And every day is an evolution for you to evolve. Yes. Yes. So well said. I'm so glad that we had this time together. Like, I feel like I remembered part of your story, but I heard, I've heard it, you know, with just fresh ears through my own right you know, experiences that I've had, you know, since we saw each other last and, and in getting to hear your whole journey and all that you've walked just has like, I want to call you, call you the master, you know, it's like you, (laughs) I mean, yeah, girl, like definitely. I feel like we under appreciate in each other and in ourselves the credentials that we earn to our life experience and we give sometimes too much credence to like formal education and and of course I honor that I honor people who work their ass off for those credentials and I also feel like these are more powerful honestly in my in my humble opinion I feel like these are more powerful like so right. anyone that hears a story is going to know hey if I want to have unshakable faith in the eye of whatever life is throwing me, I'm going to hire Natalie Clayton because that is what I want to achieve. And because you've been through multiple levels of schooling. <laughs> yes. I love them. And I'm still that masterclass. I, I've been through my own masterclass. Please. Yes, yeah. you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for Thank you for doing your work to heal for for letting go of the shit that you were holding on to and <laughs> yes. so that you can right so that you could walk the walk. So I appreciate I appreciate who you are and what you've chosen, what right. you've chosen to be in this embodiment that you are now with your work with tilt and you're mastering all the gfr commandments you know the ones that you picked (laughs) the ones that you picked trust that struggle serves your mission have faith in yourself and your mission trust yourself trust your gut and then the final one know that if you have a specific mission or calling there are people who need it so there's 12 gfr commandments those were the five that you picked and you know it's such a beautiful testimony to that work that you've done and where you've come from. And I can't wait to see where you go next. I know me too. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is such an honor. This and so wonderful to see you. I mean, it's almost like, it seems like 10 years, (laughs) seriously, since, you know, I saw you and just evolving and yeah. And, and where I am now. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And even yourself, it's good to see you. Thank you. And how you're evolving. It's good to be seen. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait to share this with others and stay in touch and have you back in a year and see what you're up to and, and, and how you're holding space for others to evolve too. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. All right. Big hugs.
No more running for Miss Natalie J. Clayton. Oh my gosh. So if you didn't hear in the intro, she is offering our listeners something super generous, a complimentary coaching call. I don't know how how much she'll be able to do this or for how long, but I would suggest you grab it while you can. And the outcome of the call with her will be that she will help you find your inner strength and power and discover your belief blockers and help you overcome, whether it's divorce or or illness or whatever it is. I feel like she, she has experience overcoming it all. That's what she will help you do. So please take advantage of that free gift from her. Also grab your 12 GFR commandments. If you don't have a copy yet and you want to read more about her favorites, which were four, six, seven, eight, and nine, <laughs> it was a really great theme around trusting, trusting her intuition, following her gut. Really, really, you definitely see the stepping stones for her roadmap for getting real. If you want your roadmap for getting real, go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. There is a link in the show notes. And then wherever you're listening to the show, subscribe. If you're listening on my website or watching this on YouTube, go to somewhere you can subscribe to a podcast listening app so you don't miss any of these amazing stories that I hope they inspire you and remind you to stop running and live into your your fullest expression of your purpose. Over and out for now.